To express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be the Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. Nelson Mandela. Hello, and welcome back to Express Yourself. We are a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. For today's show, Be The Star You Are wants to thank everyone who has volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We are thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit with a donation, please visit www.btsya.com. Every dollar counts, and we will use the funds for our outreach programs. Make sure to listen to Express Yourself wherever you listen to radio or music, through iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. We broadcast from the Empowerment Channel on Voice America Radio, the largest radio network in the world. Hello, I'm Ruhani, one of your hosts alongside Sydney, and today's show will be all about college admissions. In segment two, we will be interviewing Dr. Don Martin, a college admissions coach, and in segment three, Sydney and I will be sharing our own college admissions experience. Right now, we will be talking to Dia about her advice on college apps. Hello, Dia. Hi everyone, so for today's segment of Silver Lining, I will be talking about college app advice. So I'm currently a senior, so I just finished the whole process, so I want to share all my tips and tricks with you guys. So my first tip is when you're a freshman and you're just entering high school, my advice for that year is to mainly find your hobbies and your extracurriculars. So um, explore the clubs that are offered at your school, join like sports or whatever extracurriculars you do and you should find out what you really enjoy doing so that way you can do it throughout the rest of high school and it'll help you stand out on your college applications. Um, And then as a sophomore um, what I recommend is to start doing SAT prep or at least take like a practice test to see where you're at and also to find out what field you're interested in whether like examples are medical fields, computer science, the humanities, there's so many different fields. So it's important to make sure to find out which one you're interested in. And so that way you can gear your extracurriculars towards that. For example, if you um, are interested in majoring in architecture, I'd recommend like finding um, um, 
an internship at an architecture firm during the summer. And it's also important to like make sure each of your summers are spent productively so they're kind of helping you towards the goal. Then as a junior, I'd recommend taking SAT or ACT prep classes and also AP classes, especially those that are related towards your major. So for me, since I'm a computer science major, I took AP computer science. And that way it shows colleges that you're really interested in the topic that you want to major in. And then during senior year, this is arguably the most important time because that's when you're actually writing out your college application. So in the summer, I recommend doing like last minute SAT, ACT prep. And then also touring colleges and like researching which colleges you'd like to apply to and kind of finalize the list. Um, and then in the summer, I recommend like also working on your personal statement. And your personal statement is basically an essay that goes out to every single college app that you submit. It's 650 words. It's supposed to be like something really important to you. And that's something that like you need to do a lot of like deep thinking. So I recommend doing that over the summer because it would be like more difficult doing that when school starts. Then in September, um, I recommend that you open your Common App account. And basically the Common App is a portal where you're able to apply to 20 colleges from there and most colleges use the Common App. So that's a really important step and also start filling out all your information on there. Um, and then I want, I think it's also important to notice like where you're applying early action or early decision. And I'll get into the difference between those two later. And also ask your teachers for recommendations. Um, I'd recommend doing this actually before the summer because that way it ensures your teachers get enough time. But during the school year, at least like once a month or once in two months, check in on them and ask them like if they've submitted it and make sure there's no issues in that process. Because if it gets to the last minute, it could be potentially stressful. Then in October, um, I recommend taking like your last SAT or ACT keeping your grades up for the first semester and um, completing your early applications. Then in November, um, you request your official transfer from high school and December, you keep um, working on your um, college apps for the regular decision line, Com um, complete FAFSA, which is for financial aid and apply for scholarships. Um, and then February and March, you can continue applying for scholarships in FAFSA and this is also when colleges, um, if they reach out to interview you, they will do so at that time. Um, and then in April and May, you can, you're kind of finalizing which school you're going to so you can attend um, student events, send in your college deposit, and take AP exams so that way that credit can transfer over in college. And then in June, you're done with high school, you're ready to go to college, so that's when you send in your final transcript, complete student loan applications, and get ready to go to college. So um, right now I just wanna go over the top factors that college admissions take into consideration. So by far the most important is your grades because um, colleges kind of preliminary sort through your grades to make sure that like your statistics meet like the quota of the school. So um, another one is like your grades in AP classes and then SAT scores. So based off of these three, things after your junior year, you can kind of see like what range your SAT and GPA um, and you should apply to colleges based off of this. So um, if you have a 1500 SAT, then you should apply to like you should apply to dream schools where um, 
that SAT is often a lot higher than target schools where you're right on target and then safety schools where you're like way above. So that way it's like a very balanced list and um, make sure that all the schools you like, even the safety schools, because everyone finds it really easy to find which dream schools because it's obviously a college that they've been dreaming about since they were a child. But it's also really important to make sure your target and your safety schools are also schools that you really love and enjoy would consider going there because it could be possible that you would have to go to go there. Um, and then other things that colleges take into consideration are counselor recommendations, which are actually more important than your teacher recommendations. So it's important throughout high school to like have a good relationship with your counselor. And then um, application essays are really important. They're actually worth 50%. And then um, students demonstrated interest in the school. This could be measured by like attending webinars and such stuff, and then also extracurricular activities and your class rank. Yeah, thank you for all that advice, Dia. It's very helpful. I'm a junior, so I'm going to be applying to colleges pretty soon, actually. So I guess the question I have for you is, how do you decide which colleges to apply to and how many I should apply to? Um, yeah, so I think before you can actually finalize your list, you have to think about what you want in a college. So um, some important factors are, do you prefer the school to be big or small? Like, where would you see yourself living? Um, do you have any preference for the climate? Do you want to live in a big city like NYU or like a small college town? And like, what's important for you? Is it like the sports teams at the school, the school spirit? the reputation or the prestige of the school, um, like how like stressed or like how happy the students are, um, the student faculty ratio. There's so many different factors that you have to decide like which one's the most important to you. And also, would you like to go to a school close to home? And then also any like financial considerations, like what is in your budget? And that's something that you should talk about with your parents, like what colleges um, and like how much they're willing to help you with that. So after you kind of understand like what your preferences are, you should start looking for colleges that meet your criteria and you should also do it based off of your major. Um, so I recommend looking at these factors and then finding schools that are like really good for your major and kind of basing it off that and then also making sure that um, among these lists you have about about like people usually apply anywhere from like four to 20 colleges. So I recommend that your reach schools, there's about two to three and then two to four target schools and then two to three safety schools from there. Yeah, that's really great advice coming from like someone who actually just finished the application process herself. So for our listeners who may not know, what's the difference between early action and early decision? Um. Yeah, so... Early decision is basically a binding application. So this means that if you're accepted into your early decision school, you have to go there. And this should be like only used if it's like your number one dream school and you'd pick that over any other college because you wouldn't want to have any regrets if you're forced to go to your early decision school after getting in. But like your dream school is something that you could have gotten into, but you're kind of stuck with this. Early action is not binding, and this is something that I recommend applying to um, because it helps you kind of like decide, like figure out where you're going like earlier, and um, and you basically also get 
slightly easier to get into. And then there's also restricted early action, which is um, it's binding. So you must attend if you're accepted and you can still you can apply in the early rounds to any other schools, even as early action. Oh, wow. Thank you. Um, I didn't know that. So thank you so much for that advice, Dia. But unfortunately, we're out of time for this segment. Um, we're going to be back talking to Dr. Don Martin, a renowned college admissions coach. So make sure you stay tuned. Looking for entertainment news from a kid's perspective? Tune into Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America's Empowerment Channel. The Kids First Film Critic Review, all the latest movies, TV shows, and digital media before they're released. Interview celebrities and share all that and more so you can make informed decisions about what you select to watch. Our reporters, ages 8 to 21, bring you a kid's perspective on media targeted for kids and families. Kids First Coming Attractions plays every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Hello, everyone. I'm one of your hosts, Sydney, and we're back with an interview with Dr. Don Martin, and we are so glad to have him on the show today. Dr. Martin had a very unlikely path to success, both personally and professionally, including many amazing experiences of incredible timing. He spent 28 years in graduate enrollment and student services, and during that time, he evaluated over 125,000 applications. He was also the Dean of Admissions and Financial Aid and Dean of Students at Columbia University Teachers College, the University of Chicago Booth School of Business, Northwestern University Medal School of Journalism, and Wheaton College in Illinois. 
And I'm one of your other hosts, Ruhani. It's my pleasure to introduce Dr. Martin as well. He earned his master's degree in 1983 and his PhD in 1995. He wrote and published Roadmap for Graduate Study, a guide for prospective graduate students in 2008, and the second edition came out in 2018. In addition, he published an international student supplement for Roadmap in 2009. He's a former columnist in the US News and World Report magazine. He coaches undergraduate and graduate school applicants and has made undergrad and graduate school presentations on college campuses in North America, Europe, and Asia. Dr. Martin, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me, Rouhani and Sydney. It is a pleasure to be here with you both and with your audience. I very much look forward to this conversation today. Yeah, me too. And one interesting thing that I saw is that you have coached over 600 undergrad and graduate school applicants in the past 14 years with the 97% acceptance rate and over $16 million in scholarship funding, which is incredibly impressive. And (laughs) obviously you have a lot of experience and your expertise is really helpful. So I think the question that lingers in everyone's mind, whether you're like a junior in high school planning on applying to undergrad programs Mm -hmm. like me and are you a junior in college applying to grad school? So how do you become positively noticed as an applicant? That is a great question, Ruhani, and it is very important to be positively noticed, but the best way of all, I'll give you the short answer and then I'll elaborate just for a few moments. The best way to be positively noticed as an applicant, in all honesty, is two words, be yourself. Oscar Wilde said this so beautifully many years ago. He said, be yourself, everyone else is already taken. And that is true. Now, admissions professionals, whether we're at the undergraduate or graduate level, we are not psychologists. We're not, we certainly get involved in some major issues that might involve some psychology issues. But my point is, we all know pretty much when we meet someone and they're just not being themselves. It becomes very evident fairly soon after we meet them that this is just, there's something about the way they're behaving that can be a turnoff. And the same thing is true in the application process. I believe applicants are done a major disservice by institutions in this regard that tend to tell them, you have to stand out, you have to have this, you have to have all of these it's it's almost like they get the impression that they must be perfect in every area of their application in order to be given a chance to be admitted, which is absolutely not true. But that's the impression they're given. And with all of the pressure, especially if they're applying to a more selective institution, the temptation is to try to become someone you're not, someone you think the admissions committee will respond more positively to, when in fact that can actually hurt you. Now, that said, Very quickly, just a couple of things that I believe cause you to stand out as an applicant for real. These are not things you have to produce. They're just things you can do that will help the admissions committee respond more positively. First of all, make sure to follow the directions that you're given as an applicant. I know this sounds so simplistic, but many applicants do not do this. They're asked for two letters of recommendation and they send seven. They're asked to write an essay of 500 words, and they write an essay that's two pages long and might be 1,500 words. They don't 
do what they're asked to do. And that begs the question right off the bat, if you can't follow simple instructions for, for your application, what does that say about how you'll follow instructions to go through your program if you're admitted? So please make sure you follow directions. Another major way to stand out is to always behave with the utmost of respect, courtesy, and a bit of humility. Now, should you be proud of your accomplishments? Of course. Should you have a level of confidence that you believe you would do well at this particular institution? Absolutely. But what you don't want to do, there's a difference between confidence and arrogance. There's a big difference. And once again, applicants, I believe, are fed this information. You got to be really up there. You got to be really confident. You got to spit it out. Well, Yes, you do want to be confident, but I think we all know, again, the difference between someone who may be confident and someone who is very much overly confident. So I know our time is not a lot today. I could go on about many of these. They're all in my book, by the way, but two very important tips. Make sure to follow directions and conduct yourself always with the utmost of professionalism, respect, courtesy, and humility. Yeah, that's a really great point you made about the line between confidence and arrogance. And that's definitely something all applicants should keep in mind when they're going through the process. Absolutely. So, yeah, this is kind of on another note, but okay. would you mind explaining kind of the difference between the undergraduate and graduate student experience? Sure. My my sense is that the at the undergraduate level, there may be a bit more of a, a even distribution of, of energy, of motivation, of time between your academic program and your experience outside the classroom. That there's very much a, a level of studying, yes, but socializing, as you should and getting to know your fellow classmates, getting involved in all aspects of campus life. You're, you are not yet at the college level, usually zeroing in, at least in your first two years, on the particular field of study that you may decide you will major in. You are taking time to take some general education courses, acclimate to college life, get involved in student activities, in volunteer service, in student government, in athletics, whatever it is that is really appealing to you. And my sense is that that is a very important and good component of your undergraduate experience. You may also have a little bit more help from time to time or reminders from time to time of the kinds of deadlines you're facing for term papers or other things, you know, just there's, here's a reminder, this is what you need to do. At, in the graduate school student experience, my, my sense is, and what I've observed, and this was true for myself in my own master's and doctoral programs, I was a bit more focused on my academic work. My, my, I, I had now chosen a particular field that I was going to focus on for that entire degree program. 
In my case, it was communications at the master's level, higher education administration at the PhD level. That was my sole focus. I was no longer taking a smattering of courses here and there. I was very much centered, focused, targeted in on the field of study that I was pursuing. So there's a bit of a difference there. Secondly, the idea of extracurricular activities and involvement, I'm not saying they're not there, they are, but there's a bit less of a focus on them in most cases than there would have been at the undergraduate level. And lastly, there's not a lot of handholding of, of students at the graduate level. There's a sense that by this point in time, you are fully an adult, you are fully self-functioning, you are fully self-directed, and therefore it is up to you to make sure that you understand all of the procedures, all of the policies, all of the deadlines that govern your successful completion of your program and that you follow those accordingly. Those are some of the things that I would say would probably be the main difference between the undergraduate student experience and the graduate one. Oh, that's really interesting. I never really thought of the difference before. Um, so thank you for breaking that down. Sure. So when it comes to the application process for college yeah, and yeah. graduate school, what is the difference and the similarities? Ruhani, that's a great question. And actually, this is where I, in my experience over, over the 28 years that I did graduate work, and actually while I was at Wheaton College, I was actually director of undergrad admissions too. So I did have, I actually had a chance to be involved in the processing of, of undergraduate applications for the three or four years that I served there. Um, my sense is that the difference between a master's degree application and a college application really isn't all that different. And I'll explain that in a minute. The real difference comes at the PhD level. If you are applying, for instance, if you're applying right out of college for a PhD, which many students do, that application process is very different. There's different components. There's different ways in which you go about it. But at the, when, you, when you are in high school and you're looking at colleges, you tend to do your research on those colleges that you're most interested in. And at some point, you narrow that down to the list of five or seven or 10 institutions on average that you're going to apply to. And you're asked to submit, among other things, a resume, essays, letters of recommendation, transcripts, test scores, and whatever else they may ask in more particular. But those are the main things. And those are the exact same components of a master's degree application. Now, the, the one difference may be in the essays that you complete for college, you typically are not being asked to discuss why you are selecting a particular program of study or what your major is going to be. That tends not to be the type of question you're getting at the college level. However, at the master's level, that is a question you will most likely be asked in the essays, which will be, why are you interested in pursuing your master's in psychology, in biology, in English literature, uh, whatever, in, in computer science? There will be a bit more of an interest in understanding why you are pursuing the particular field of study you want to pursue at the master's 
level. The other thing that could be different, not always, but some graduate institutions conduct interviews with applicants after they've submitted the application. I don't believe this is quite the case at the undergraduate level as much, but there are master's programs that will, once the deadline has passed, they take a look at all the applications from these graduate applicants. They may say, okay, we're going to interview 50 of these candidates and they will reach out and ask you to do an interview with them. So that probably would be the main difference, but it's not the case that all graduate schools interview. But if they do, that that is something that you would have that you wouldn't have had most likely when you were applying for college. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I have a couple friends and family who are pursuing the graduate school path and PhD yes. path. Yeah, and I actually did this program a couple years back where I worked with a PhD candidate in a university's history department, and it seemed like the process is definitely a lot different than yeah. when you're applying for the undergraduate program. So that's definitely it, it, something to keep in mind as you move throughout the process. That's a great point, Sydney. Absolutely. Yeah. So what do you think about the lately the incredible emphasis placed on rankings? For applications. How, how much time do we have? I could spend hours <laughs> on this question. I'm so glad you, you asked me. In all of the webinars I do or workshops or live presentations in my book, wherever I have a chance to talk about it, this is one of two things that I most often want to discuss with prospective students. And the reason is uh, I'm, I'm a relic now uh, uh, Sydney and, and uh, Rouhani, I'm going to date myself here, but I, between the 28 years that I spent in full-time higher ed uh, enrollment management and the 15 years that I have spent at grad school roadmap and working with also undergraduate applicants now, I've been in this work almost 43 years. So I, I've been around a long time. And the reason that I say that is th that I have seen a growing fascination with and almost unrealistic relying on rankings as a means of determining what the best quality education is that someone can achieve. And sometimes to the point that that is the only criteria they consider before they decide where they're going to apply. Sadly, for those individuals, I believe they have bought into another major misinformation effort that has been put out there in this country on many levels, that the higher the ranking of an institution, the better it is. And that is simply not true. In the 43 years I've been doing what I'm doing, I have yet to see any credible, reliable, valid, statistical evidence that correlates the rank of the program you attend with your ultimate success in life. There is none. Now, does a more competitive program perhaps open a few more doors, perhaps when you get ready to graduate and there are recruiters coming to campus or you're looking for jobs? Yes, I have to concede that there may be a few more openings or a few more recruiters coming to campus at a, from, from top programs, but that's all. After that, you, you start with a clean slate when you graduate from your master's or PhD program. And at the end of the day, 
If you don't know how to relate to people, if you don't know what you're talking about, if you can't produce, I don't care how many degrees you have after your name and where they're from, it will not matter at all. And I challenge our listeners, if you want to, to take a look at this, you should do a search on where some of the most famous people in the United States of America attended their undergraduate uh, institution. You'll be absolutely baffled. Some of these institutions you probably never heard of. So to me, rankings are a great disservice. They, they are many times not prepared correctly. Their methodology is dreadfully faulty. I don't care which ranking we're talking about. They are, they are far less helpful than they are helpful. If, and and I'll t I said the, this is one of two things I often share with prospective students. The other one, as you might guess, is do your own research on the programs that are most of interest to you. Talk with their students. Talk with their graduates. Take a look at their faculty. Really evaluate their curriculum. Take a look at their campus virtual tour. Visit if you can. Do your own really strong due diligence. I can guarantee, I'll close with a real quick story here. One of my very first coaching clients was pursuing her master's in education. And in our first meeting together, I asked her to tell me if she had already decided where she was going to apply. And she said, yes. And I said, well, can you tell me? So she listed five institutions. And then I said, can you tell me why you chose those institutions? And I almost knew what was coming. You know, she said, this was number, this one's ranked number one. This one's ranked number two. My mother went here. My boyfriend is going here. I mean, she had done absolutely no outside research. It was all word of mouth from her boyfriend, her mother. It was rankings. That was it. There was no other research. And you, as you can imagine, my first assignment, I said, between now and the next time we talk, I want you to find 10 more programs that you might have an interest in just for yourself. And guess where she ended up attending at the end of the day? One of those 10 programs is where she ended up very happily so. I just had a student recently, again, the same thing, had five schools on their list. All of them were like the top five. And I spoke with them about this. I just heard from them last week. They've completely altered their list and they're applying to schools that they really researched in their entirety. That's, that's what I think of rankings. That's what I think of research. And research, by the way, a whole chapter on that in the first chapter of my book. Wow. Yeah, we need more people like you to tell us this unfiltered information. And I, I, agree, Ruhani, I agree with you. We do, because it's it's a great disservice to students. And it's not the bottom line. It's absolutely not true. There's no yeah. merit to it. And yet so many are, are fixated on this. It's, it's really sad to me. Yeah, you know, I'm a junior. I go to a pretty competitive high school in the Bay Area. So there's always yes. been this emphasis placed on college. And I'm a planner. I've thought about where I should go since I was very young. And right. um, I was wondering, how do you decide if a certain college is a good fit for you? Because, for example, in my case, I want to go into humanities. Okay. I'm not sure what yet, but... I do want kind of a mid-sized school with good enough resources somewhere yep. that I feel I can be comfortable in. I am so glad to hear you say that last part, Ruhani, where you said 
some an institution where I will be comfortable. That's huge. That is huge. Why? Uh, back to when when you are doing your research on on these institutions, my strong recommendation, and I I list this in the book, is to create a spreadsheet and list. You said I believe that you are more or less interested in what you might call a medium sized undergraduate institution. So by virtue of that, you've already narrowed down some of your choices between a really small institution and a really large one. So you can you can scratch them off the list. And now you can focus in on what you consider to be some mid-sized institutions you're interested in. And then on that on on one column would be those options perhaps listed in alphabetical order. You don't your perception of these programs should come after you've done your research, not before you ever start it. You, there should be no rank order of them at this point. They're all, they should all be on a clean slate. And then on the other column of your spreadsheet, put down some of the things that are most important to you about your college experience. You said, Ruhani, I want to be comfortable. What does that mean to you? For me, I too wanted to be comfortable in my graduate, my undergraduate and graduate education. What that meant to me was that I got a sense that they really wanted me there, that that I they they were invested in not not doing what I should do for myself, but that they were invested in helping me. They wanted they my my graduate programs my they they bent over backwards. They gave me a phenomenal education, but so much more. They were there for me, in every sense of the word. They I. They knew my name. They, I wasn't an interruption to them. I wasn't uh, an afterthought. Um, perhaps you have a special type of learning that you feel comfortable about. Perhaps you have a certain type of uh, career service expectation of what they'll help you with. By all means, I, I, I know our time is coming to a close. By all means, make sure for each institution that you send an email message to them to ask a question to their admissions office and see how they respond. Mm -hmm. Do they do they use your first name? Do they thank you? Are they kind? And always reach out to a current student or a recent grad to ask two questions. What did you like and not like about your experience? And number two, if you had it to do over again, would you still go to this school? Very helpful information. Thank you so much for that. That's very, very helpful. You are most welcome. Yeah, I definitely wish I had listened to all this advice before I'd started the application process. For all our young listeners out there, this is incredibly helpful information. Um, so I guess one last question to close. Okay. So for those who are not aware, there's actually been a recent case in the legal world with UC Berkeley because they recently cut their admission size and by a lot. So can we expect this from other colleges and what do you think is the future with college admissions process and their sizes? That's a great question, uh, uh, Sydney. I, this is, COVID-19 is blamed for so many things. I almost feel badly, you know, it just, it just gets a bad rap no matter what direction you look, <laughs> what area you're talking about. But really, it has certainly had an impact on higher education. There's, there's no doubt about that. And I believe that there are probably going to be some institutions that will be making some enrollment decisions to either 
reduce the size of some of their incoming cohorts of students, or in some cases, they may increase them. Now, I think it's less likely, at least in the next year or two, that there'll be a lot of increases. But I don't believe that this recent decision at Berkeley is an anomaly. I don't believe it's an isolated situation. The, the financial toll that the pandemic took on every industry, including education, was absolutely massive. And even some of the institutions that we might think, oh, well, they are so well off with their endowments or this, that, and the other, they would never have any financial challenges. Well, that's, that's not always true. So I do think it's important, and this may be another column on your spreadsheet, those of you that are still getting ready to start this process of looking for colleges, you may wanna have that on your spreadsheet. Are there any enrollment changes coming? And if there's not, if that's not listed on their admissions website or anywhere, that's a great question to send to the admissions email address. Or do you anticipate any enrollment changes? That would be a great question to ask them and see how they respond. But to your question, Sydney, I don't believe this is a, a, an, an anomaly. I think there will be some other similar types of decisions about enrollments in the coming years. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Martin. It has been an absolute pleasure having you with Be The Star You Are today. You are uh, you can well. find, Thank you. You can find Dr. Martin on his website, gradschoolroadmap.com, or on Twitter at gradschoolguide. Also, make sure to check out his book, Roadmap for Graduate Study. Thank you for listening, and Ruhani and I will be right back with a segment about the college admissions process and our own takes. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel, voiceamericaempowerment.com. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com and the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Looking for entertainment news from a kid's perspective? Tune into Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America's Empowerment Channel. The Kids First Film Critic Review, all the latest movies, TV shows, and digital media before they're released. Interview celebrities and share all that and more so you can make informed decisions about what you select to watch. Our reporters, ages 8 to 21, bring you a kid's perspective on media targeted for kids and families. Kids First Coming Attractions plays every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Hello, and welcome back to Express Yourself. So on our topic of college admissions, I kind of want to talk about my own. So technically, I haven't really applied for colleges yet because I'm still a junior. But I also feel like I've been prepping for it my entire life in a way. So when I was in elementary school, my brother was applying to colleges. So it kind of ingrained in me that my time was coming soon. And now that it's almost here, um, here's some advice that I have for freshmen, sophomore, and fellow juniors. So for freshmen, I would say don't fret too much because you have quite some time, but this is not like really a year to slack off either. So I know UCs don't really count freshman year grades, but um, private schools do. So do place emphasis on your grades, you know, try hard, but also remember you have all that time to map out your plans. And you obviously don't have to know your major, And that's kind of a general advice I have for everyone, even seniors. Like, it's okay if you don't know what you want to do yet. And I have extreme passion for writing, and I would love to study it, whether it be like journalism or maybe even creative writing. But there's also a lot of other things I enjoy, and I might dabble in as well. And the thought of that kind of used to make me panic. But I know that eventually things will unfold the way they're supposed to, as as long as I can continue working hard and believing in myself. So for sophomores, if you plan on doing standardized testing, and I think Dia kind of touched on that, I really recommend starting now for prep, and I wish I did. So I was in online school at the time, and I wasn't even sure if I would submit the SAT, and I know um, some schools like UCs are test blind and everything, but Other schools are still test optional for certain graduating years. And I've heard from people that really just means they want you to submit it. So make sure you do your research about the specific school before applying, like Dr. Don Martin said. And I'm sure a lot of you have heard that the SAT is actually going online, beginning with the class of 25. So I'm sure that would be a different way to prep. I'm not entirely sure, but I hope it is easier for the coming class sizes. 
Um, for juniors, I say it is a really difficult year, but you can make the best of it. So for me, I know that I need to balance my work to fun ratio because it's incredibly easy to get burned out. And for AP classes, so my school is kind of unique in the sense that it only allows juniors and seniors to take them. So this year I chose to take three of them and that might be too much or too little, depends on what your thought process is, but I'm definitely pretty busy with them, but I think it's still pretty manageable. So all of my APs, which is psychology, human geography, and US history, they're all social studies based because I'm planning to pursue humanities. And next year, I'm planning on take, taking AP World History and AP Literature. So I recommend to take the right amount of classes so you're not too packed. And I highly recommend that you take the ones that are at least kind of relevant to what you enjoy and what you might pursue. And then for seniors, I don't really have advice for you right now. Um, you're in second semester, but I really hope you have fun. You deserve it for all the time and effort you've put in and enjoyed these last few months of high school. Yeah, thank you so much, Rohani. That was some really great advice. And as someone who's actually a senior who just finished the college application process, I wholeheartedly agree with everything you said. Hopefully, I can add more perspective for future seniors or those who are about to start their college applications. So one thing I'd probably add is to keep track of deadlines and requirements. This is a really important one. So I used a free organization app called Notion, which you can download online, but you could also just use Google Sheets or Excel. Um, another thing I'd say is don't worry too much about standardized testing. I mean, it seems counterintuitive, but actually more and more colleges are making testing an optional part of the application. So it actually might be more useful to spend your time working on your extracurriculars or revising your essays rather than retaking the SAT dozens of times. And, you know, this is more information that's geared towards those who are in the thick of college applications. But if the college you're applying to provides optional interviews, make sure to sign up for them. Personally, I think I had the best results when I made sure to practice and prepare for potential questions for interviews. Um, some questions that I noticed came up repeatedly in my interviews with top colleges were, Number one, tell me about yourself. Number two, what makes you stand out as an applicant? And number three, why do you want to attend this college? So I think as long as you prepare for these three essential questions, you should be all good to go, minus the occasional curveball the interviewer may throw. And obviously, there is no one way to approach the college application process. You know, they should be tailored to the individual, and it can sometimes really just depend on what academic path you want to pursue. I mean, for example, the fine arts and engineering can look really different from the normal academic path. Um, however, lately, a lot of underclassmen and juniors have been asking me how they can make themselves stand out. And regardless of what career path you've choosed, I've noticed actually the number one different the number one way to differentiate yourself from the herd is by looking for opportunities outside of your school. 
So obviously your school is a really great place to start from clubs to leadership opportunities. But I was talking with the director of an extremely competitive high school summer program with about like a 5% acceptance rate at UCSB. And one thing she noted that she looked for was students who stepped outside of their school bubble. So this can really look different for lots of different people. But personally, I've noticed that like one way to step outside of that bubble is like through international competitions, publishing on national writing platforms or research platforms or things like that. And again, this can really depend on person to person, but these are just some tips and tricks that hopefully will help guide you as you go through your own application process. All right, so we've heard some really great advice today from Dia Ruhani and from our guest, Dr. Don Martin, who is an experienced college admissions officer and now coach. But unfortunately, we are out of time for today's show. As always, we express our gratitude to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, our producer, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment crew, especially our audio engineer, um, Gabe. Thanks to our guests from across the world, and a huge thank you to our listeners for making us a top-rated program. For more information about Be The Star You Are charity, visit www.bethestarur.org. Find us on Instagram at Express Yourself Radio. Remember, education is key. And always remember to speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars to shine. Between the lines If you would let yourself